Due to some of the internet connective issues, we do have some problems with some of the audio. However, I think you'll still enjoy this episode of Coaching Falcons. Thank you. I'd like to welcome Chris Cunningham and Ryan Short and Ron Cunningham to the uh, Coaching Falcons podcast today. How are you guys? Doing well, Coach. Thanks for asking. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Ryan, how about you? Doing great. Excited for it. Okay. Good, good. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time. And uh, I, I'm having a lot of fun with this. This is the second part. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. And from some of the feedback that I'm getting from former players and people in the community, they're enjoying it too. So I just want to kind of continue with that. And then, um, you know, hopefully build on it. And I don't think I'm going to keep it you know, going on forever, like my other podcasts I've got going on. You know, some somewhere down the line there's gonna be an end date. But as of right now I'm having having a little fun and um I'm gonna continue with that in mind. Okay, let's let's get started. I wanna I wanna start with Chris and uh um just ask a couple questions and then we'll just move on from there. Chris, how was it when you played for Perry Meridian back in the, I think it was the early 90s, under the leadership of uh, Coach Dave Enright? Yeah, it was, uh, it's my, I graduated in 94, so I played uh, the 91, 92, and 93, uh, you know, fall football seasons um, for Coach. That was uh, you and Coach, Coach Clore, Coach Wade, uh, Dave Thornton showed up, uh, I believe my senior year. Um, do you remember uh, who was the wide receiver that played for Coach Enright uh, at Bloomington South? Um, uh, Coach May, is that correct? Oh, is that name right? Reed May. Yeah, Reed, Reed May. Say, yes, I knew that wasn't right. Yeah, he was there for a little bit, um, but yeah, it was. Look, it was uh, a pretty defining part of my uh, my high school life. Um, uh, Coach Enright and I were. Uh, pretty close. Uh, I spent uh, I spent my free periods uh, during the day uh, working for him, which was you know amounted to me watching a bunch of tape and getting He took a pretty good interest in teaching me uh, football from from uh, the quarterback position. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really defining part of my of my time. I think our, yeah. our best yeah. team was that first one uh, with uh, it would have been Frank Hammond and Mike Birchfield and uh, Ken Sitzman. You know that that senior class when uh, it was Kevin Sitzman kicked the field goal to beat was it North Central in the sectional? Yes, yes. And when uh, Craig Gunyan intercepted a ball, that's right. And uh, they had uh, the guy that played uh, for Notre Dame. I can't think of his name. He's a wide receiver. Uh, that played for Notre Dame and played in the NFL for uh, Derek Mays. Derek Mays. And yep. they were throw they were throwing the ball to him and Craig Gunyon. It fell in his lap somehow, and he almost ran it back for a pick six. But and then uh, Kevin Sitzman kicked the uh, field goal to win that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Hey, what? Hey, Chris, what were some other 
other things that you remember from that time period? That's a great memory right there. I had forgotten all about that. What were some other th- things you remember about that time or uh, that, that time period or what were what were practices like? You yeah. know, what was the feel from the athletes or whatever? Yeah, no, sure. Um, you know, that was, uh, you know, the first thing I think that comes to my mind, you know, to kind of tied it together was, uh, you know, Coach Tomey and, and Bigger, Faster, Stronger and circuit training. Um, I don't know how long that, uh, that you did circuit training in the summer where we'd come in and you, you hit all the weight room stages <laughs> and you did the dot drill and you ran the stairs and the weights, you know, the weight increased as you moved up from green to, I don't remember what, I don't remember the hierarchy of the, of all the, the order. different stations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I remember that being, you know, a pretty significant thing. And I, I hope Ryan did that too, because maybe he remembers more about the specifics of it than I do. Um, but yeah, I can remember guys sitting back to back, you know, in the, in the old foyer because their legs weren't working so well, you know, <laughs> immediately afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. And then, yeah. And obviously the live-in camp was a big, you know, I know that that was a, I think a uniquely coach Enright thing. Um, and, and I can't yes. imagine what it was like for, for the parents to support all of that. It had it, being one. Now I I've thought about that before, like, Holy cow, I can't believe all the work they did to support it. Um, but I, yeah, you know, that yeah. was, well, I, as a kid, it was a cool thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Your, your dad was part of that, that, uh, living camp thing. And he, uh, helped provide some of the, uh, nourishments for that. Ron, <laughs> how, how was it for you? Uh, with that living camp thing, it was all new to us because no one had ever done it before. And for parents, I know you guys had to feed over a hundred kids or so. So Ron, how was it with, with you guys as far as the, the living camp? How did it go? It was the parents' perspective. Well, I think, uh, as you said, it was just a brand new experience for everyone. But if I recall, a lot of parents did uh, help Sarah and I, and I say Sarah and I, because somehow I ended up being, the head of the, what was it called? The quarterback club. Quarterback club. And, uh, right. And um, I can't remember. I think uh, Coach Enright actually approached me to see if we would uh, start that type of club, if I recall. And, uh, of course, you know, a lot of the parents were real anxious to help out. And um, I don't remember it being, you know, a horrible headache, but uh, we just had to uh, sort of plan the menus for those lunches. And uh, McDonald's was a, a big help. And uh, I know, Steve, you and I talked about you, – you remember the fellow's name. I can't remember it. Uh, the former yeah, student. Pete Wotowski. Yeah. And uh, I would just go over and tell him I need 150 quarter-pounders for tomorrow or whatever. And um, he would have them all ready. And yeah. he also, you know, provided uh, the, the drinks and the whole nine yards. And I don't recall if we – and we may have paid a minimal amount, but I think it was mostly gratis. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and that was because the kids were fed well, even though that, you know, we practiced three times a day out there in, a, in that heat, and um, it was just different, you know, I, I it, actually, the, the camp ran some coaches away, they said, hell, I'm not, I'm not going to stay here all night with these kids, and four or five coaches said, I'm out of here, and they left the program. You know, and one of them was Coach Potter, but he came back, you know, later on. And, and I think that it reminds me of one other thing, uh, Ron, 
and that is that you guys were responsible for for putting together the first ever uh, highlight tape. You remember oh, doing right. that in the IMC? How, yeah. How was yeah. how was that? What was what what technical difficulties well, did you have with that? That was a headache for a history teacher to get involved in technology. <laughs> <laughs> but Sarah, but uh, Colin Anderson, uh, his mother was real helpful in doing that. As a matter of fact, um, she probably uh, got the music that, you know, it was the background music. She put all that together. And then uh, the other saving grace uh, was Ken Knable. And um, if I recall, I think he met us over school on the weekends to help us learn how to, to you know, edit and splice. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was probably next to coaching. That was a, that was a nightmare in itself. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. You're right. I can, I, but I know, I, I know that the players, you know, appreciated that, and even the coaches appreciated that, because you got to go back and relive some of those positive things from those games, and yeah. so on. So um, now yeah. it's it's totally different now. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Probably the kids put a cell phone or videos themselves on their own cell phones now, I guess. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, we also they, had a banquet. They have banquet. no problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a banquet. We you had know, the banquet. Coach yeah. Enright was Coach Enright was good at promoting football because that's all he was was football. That's all he is is football. <laughs> you know, he lived and breathed and smelled and farted and peed football <laughs> all the time. And so, you know, I think in a previous podcast, you know, I always remember Coach Enright saying that, you know, sleeping is overrated because he never slept. You know, he's he's the, he's the only guy that I know have that that I know of that had a thermos with him 24 hours a day. And it was always filled with coffee. And at one point in time, we took a, a, a road trip to Bloomington. He left the thermos on the bus. A week later, we took the same bus, and the thermos was still on there. <laughs> he opens up the thermos and drinks the coffee. <laughs> but that was that was Coach Enron. You know, uh, so yeah. So also what to mention is his wife Betty Enright, because she yes. was she was very very helpful with uh, the quarterback club and and uh, helping out a lot herself. Let alone tolerating all that old coffee. But. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We we say that Betty should be sainted <laughs> for, yeah. for putting up with all that stuff, all the well, football that Dave had to deal with. You know. I remember Chris would things. Hey, hey, go ahead, Ron. Well, I know Enright would. I don't do. We had computers back then, believe it or not. But I remember Chris. You'll remember this. I hope. He'd type out plays or whatever and send them to you, and and the time would be 3.44 a.m., 2.15 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I just thought his clock set wrong, but apparently that's what he was doing all night long. Yeah, that was Coach Dave. All right, hey, I'm going to transition to something. Chris, I got a, I've got a story that you can help, help the listening audience with, and you'll probably remember it. I think maybe over the summer, this past summer, when you guys were up visiting from North Carolina, I may have mentioned it before, but do you remember, um, it may have been your junior year, we 
took a bus of about 14 players up to Lawrence Central to have a JV game. Do you remember yeah. that game at all? Yeah, it was my sophomore year, I think. Yeah. Sophomore they, year. They they had uniforms like uh like they were in the NFL and we were in our practice jerseys. That one is that the time? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We, when when we pulled up, our we pulled up to Lawrence Central and they had probably nine different teams running scully up and down the field. Yep. And Chris, you said, Hey, hey, Coach Jay. Is that their varsity? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and then I show up with, I showed up with thirteen players, and one of those players, the quarterback wasn't gonna play defense, and you may have snuck in there a little bit, but the other guy standing beside me on the sideline was Todd Slater. Oh yeah. And Todd Slater could could hardly do anything. And somebody in that during that game got hurt and said, Coach Jay, it may have been somebody like Aaron Bryant or something like that. Coach Jay, I got to come out. And I looked at you as a quarterback, and I looked at Todd Slater and go, you can't get hurt. Get your ass back in there. You're not hurt. <laughs> and so I, I, I don't – Slater didn't come in – the guy, the kid went back in and we still got beat, but uh, it was one of those things. The other thing that I remember about that game was the opening kickoff. We kicked the ball off to this, this monster from Lawrence Central and we could not tackle. We could not yeah. tackle. He scores the opening kickoff. Yep. The next Monday, I look at the film of the kickoff and every person on our kickoff team hit that kid. Yeah. One person hit him twice and he's, and he still didn't go down. Yeah. So he's hit by 12 Falcons still scored. And he still scored a touchdown. I can see him clear as day coach. Cause he, he played, he played junior varsity basketball that same year. And he was like a, he was like a spark. I mean, he was just his development from a, his physical development for a 14 or 15 year old kid was staggering. But yes, that is a true. I remember that very, very, very clearly, but I can't remember. Zell, the only name I remember. From yeah. That, he, uh, they had a kid named Derek Ransom who actually played for the chiefs. He was a defensive end. Okay. And he was about six, seven or no, six, eight, not that big as a, as a sophomore. Um, but he wore rec specs. And I remember us nope. saying, well, at least all these men, one of them's wearing rec specs. And he was the most <laughs> dominant player. When he took the kickoff, he looked like, yeah, and wearing wearing any game. So we looked like the, look like the group. Rudolph, <laughs> you know, we looked like we just drug off. Just drug us off practice field. We had practice jerseys on. We were raggedy, you know, and they had they were in their pristine, you know, uh, maroon and white uniforms out there, and and we just had. I mean, and that was one of Coach Enright's things. We don't need to pr- play in our game stuff. It's just a JV game. Was playing your practice stuff. So yeah. that was a little bit embarrassing, but that was Coach Enright. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm going I'm to come to Ryan for this. Ryan Short, uh, 
Hey, Ryan, uh, how, how was it for you uh, when you played under, we're going to transition to a football coach. Coach Potter came in after Coach Enright left. Well, what was playing for Perry Meridian High School like when you came came up through the ranks across the street to the mid, from middle school and playing with Coach Potter? Um, super fun. You know, that's one thing that you always look back to high school footballs. It's so fun because you're playing with guys that you played with back in Burkhart. And I think Potter got the job my freshman year uh, when Enright left. And, uh, I remember at, at that time that, you know, it, somewhat like now it, it had been a while since a winning season. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Southport had beat us 13 years in a row, uh, when we came in there. And I think they actually wore that sticker on the back of their helmets in the dome game once. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you brought that story up because, um, they had beat us, you know, just by chance. Anything that we did, we were snake bitten. And they put a sticker on their helmet that had a number 13. We thought that the 13 was the number of times they had beaten us. But what had happened is that they had had a player that had gotten hurt one of their players and his number was 13 he was like <laughs> seriously hurt in a car accident or something like that oh, they put the sticker on his helmet <laughs> they put the sticker on his helmet to represent his number and so we saw that as okay we're gonna yeah. sell the guns if you're gonna put that in pick your ass <laughs> perceptions so, real and, and, and what yes oh my goodness and so speak, speaking of that, um, Ryan, I got a question for you. Do, do you remember um, you remember the clipboard incident down at the Dome? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that was my, my senior year. Um, <laughs> I, I, I talk about that a lot because that was the only time I jumped off sides. And, you know, I, I jumped the off sides. The only time. In the dome, and I thought I thought he didn't see it because I was out there at wide receiver. I was like, I'll step back real quick. No, he, and I didn't. He's usually not too much the angry type, but he was angry, and uh, it was great because nobody's in the dome, and he just smashed his clipboard over my helmet, and it just echoed throughout the dome like. <laughs> <laughs> and I never jumped off sides again till my my, my the bell game. <laughs> And then I gave him my uh, clipboard, my senior year. I apologize for broken clipboard. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, uh, as far as um, making that mistake, that was probably one of the only only mistakes you had, hella, had ever made. And it was in the practice, but you have to realize we, we, were, we were pretty – up pretty tight you know we did not want to lose that game and yeah. coach potter a lot of people didn't know this coach potter he got really wound up before a game i mean he got to a point be over and and we had to figure out what we could do to bring the, the anxiety down from the coaches so that it didn't it wasn't passed on to so that you could go into that game uh 
of being uptight. And I think what had happened is that when you jumped off sides, I mean, he was had been holding his cool all week. You know, he practiced stuff started, you know, Saturday. And we worked probably 70 hours that week to game plan and come up with do all this. And he was pretty and that was and the, and it got everybody's attention because of all the people, Ryan Short had never <laughs> did anything wrong. I'm <laughs> like staring up at the lights. And the coach takes, yeah, he takes the, the, the top receiver from the athletes on the team and breaks the clipboard over his. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think at that time, I think we went on and beat them. We scored like 50 points on them uh, um, that that game or something like that. But uh, it was unique in the fact that, you know, when, Ryan, when you came across the street as a sophomore, um, you were immediately not picked out for being a, a skinny sophomore. Is the fact that, hell, you caught every ball that was thrown to yeah. It was and so whenever we had defense or practice, hell, they throw the ball to you, and we up off the the damn ground, and you would be catching us. Potter's over there having fun, like, okay, you go run this route, and you'd go run it. And yeah, it actually made you made it defense made the defense intensity pick pick up. And so it made us better as a team. And I think between there's only two people, and I'll, I'll say there's two people that I know of when I coached the receivers for all those years that every catchable pass to them. You and uh, my son Alex, any ball that they were supposed to catch, they caught, with the exception of two. Okay, and you'll remember this. We, I had, I had. Ryan Hyatt had converted you to a defensive back. Yeah. And the reason I, I converted, I, I converted you to a defensive back was to match up with, uh, Tyrese Butler. Yep. Decatur was central. The receiver from Decatur central. Yeah. And so you guys went head to head for two years, mm-hmm. you know, and the only, the only catchable ball that you missed was when we played Decatur Central. It was a five-hour game. It started at seven o'clock and it it ended at midnight, literally. And it was a triple overtime. And the one ball that you didn't catch in your hands, you let the ball hit you in the chest and it popped straight up. And because Tyrese Butler was guarding you and you guarded him, the ball popped straight up and he intercepted the ball. And I, I don't know if he ran it for a pick six, but it got it all the way down to the goal line. And we ended up tying, tying it up. And I, we ended up winning that game. And it was like 55 to 53 or 52 or something like that. But we won it in triple overtime. But that was the only ball that I can ever remember you hit you, were supposed to hit you, and you dropped it. <laughs> you know, so used as, hand. as far as catchable, instead of using, you use the body. That's the only time. Every, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the time, you always caught the ball in your hands. 
And you yeah. probably remember that one of those things that you just kind of you just don't forget. And and yeah. with my son Alex, same thing. He caught every ball in his hands except one, and it hit him in the chest. And it was like a third down, and or fourth down. It hit him right in the chest, and he dropped the ball. And it was his, like his last high school game at Perry. He uh-huh. could have got where you know caught it. And you were also a punt returner, you know. Um, yeah. I want to say that you held the record for most interceptions. Yeah, in the season. I did. That corner. I know if those records are still around or not. That corner. Now, a six-five cornerback. You know, yeah. You played receiver. You played cornerback. You you returned a punt for uh, North, I think it was, and we were yeah. playing like crap that game, and we it was like zero to zero, and it was like they punted right before halftime, and I or something like that and that kind of got us started and then we came back out the second half and then just beat them up so but yeah those were different i mean coach potter compared to coach enright and i mean i'm looking at it from a coach's perspective we're total opposites uh coach enright would be hey we've got four plays that we're gonna run in this game but we're running from three thousand different (laughs) so chris you remember being out there running plays over and over and over and over again. And Willie. Yeah, extremely well. <laughs> extremely well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to always uh, tell people uh, in a professional capacity that, that uh, one advantage of, of all of that was that, uh, and I do give coach Enright a lot of credit for uh, his teaching in that, you know, the, the dive set up the option, set up the counter slash trap, set up the quick pass and, you know, every all, all 11 players had a role to play to set up, you know, uh, to not give away what was coming next. And it was, you know, right. for, for, for being in a large organization, which is where I find myself today, thinking about all those different parts and 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 uh, and and the role you play, even when you're not the primary focus, that part of it all, I took a lot from. Uh, but I think there's also a bit to be said about uh you know, the end goal was to get yards and score points, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and maybe, yeah. a little, maybe a little focus. <laughs> every, every now, and every now and then a little bit of defense. Yeah, that too, that too. <laughs> every ball. now and then, not, not too often on, 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 on defense to coach Enright's. Yeah. He and coach Clore, Kelly Clore, always would fight and over over stuff, you know. Uh-huh. You know Dave was looking at the offense and Dane Wheeler was uh a tight end and and Kelly said, no, he was in this spot. Anyway, no he wasn't in this spot and they took Dane over there. No, he was in the nine technique. No and so they argued and we just sat back and looked at one another. But you know that that was it, you know. That's the way Enright was, and Kelly Core didn't back down to to anybody. No, no, he didn't. So he he didn't care who you were. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't know this. The very first time that the new superintendent came to Perry Meridian High School, we're not building a stadium at Perry Meridian High School, and Kelly, who in the hell you? <laughs> what? What do you mean we can't build a, a stadium at, at Perry Meridian High School? Hell, we hate going over to Perry Stadium. <laughs> and so that was 
Doug Williams' introduction to Perry Meridian High School Renegades, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Let's uh, let's let's do a transition now. We want to. I would like to bring up a game that both of you guys played in, and that was uh, the Monon Bell game. Uh, Chris, you and Ryan have, have uh, you've played in it. I've only seen it. And as a matter of fact, I've only seen it from afar because when you guys were playing it, I was still coaching. Monon Bell game, uh, explain any significant games, uh, anything that stands out as far as um, the gravity of the games and so on. Um, just uh, I'll say, Ryan, I'll start with you first. What were what was the Monon Bell game if people don't know much about the history of, of that game? Well, as, as you described it as in the beginning, we always say it's the greatest game east of the Mississippi. And I think they played for about 130 years now, and they're about tied for the amount of wins. But it was always that one game where you, you really felt like it was a D1 environment playing D3 football. You know, they brought in the extra bleachers that filled the stadium. And so it was always a great environment. And uh, I guess the one that I always talk about is my junior year Um was a really famous game. Um, they call it the Monon miracle. We were, we were up like all game. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. We were up all game. And then, which happened to me, my, my sophomore year as well, we were up all game. Then they came back and won, which they were good at doing. And then my junior year, we were up all game. They came back and tied it. And then, uh, we practiced a play all week, uh, trip selects gun, Colorado red. I had to look it up again this weekend, but, uh, it was, modeled after the uh, Colorado versus Michigan game in 1989 with uh, Michael Westbrook and Cordell Stewart at quarterback. But uh, we practiced it all week and uh, we were about 50% successful on it. Um, but then, uh, yeah, we, we had it in the, in the, in the playbook. And the cool part was we had a, we had a new coach who the, the previous one got fired for really not winning that game. And Chris, I think, you know, Carlson was your coach and he was yep. fantastic. The only reason he didn't stay around is because he, we lost the bell game. And, um, so, you know, the, the, the motto that year was we believe and, and kind of the coolest part of that, that whole experience is our whole sideline during that play was chanting, we believe right. Like during that play. And so we rolled out yeah. and there was history. I tipped it back and to the, I, I saw people this day and, you know, people come up to me saying it bounced off my helmet. It was lucky, but you know, the people that were there, it what happened. Yeah. yeah. So Ryan, did you yeah. guys lose? Now it? the thing that I remember. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Chris. No, 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 go ahead. Go no, I, that I, I remember watching that game and it was, I think it was just spitting snow or something like that. And and when I saw it, I went, short's going to end up short. He's short of the goal line. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? He's short of the goal line. And then suddenly the ball goes back 10 yards. And went, yeah. that tipped it back to the guy. <laughs> yeah. If I was so on the goal playing, line. Uh, yeah. And it was, you tipped it back and there was somebody behind him. And I think everybody converged on you. Like, you know, you're six, five or whatever, and you're going to keep yeah. you from getting there. And so somebody sneaking behind you back there, you tip it back to him and then they score. That was to me was, uh, that was the miracle. I, I 
her watching that on one of the local TV stations. So yeah. Ryan, okay, guys, Chris, go ahead, man. Had you guys lost it? Because you you were right after me, right? I, I yeah. You, had you lost it your first two years then? Yeah, we lost my freshman year. They put it on us, and then sophomore year we were up late. Like yeah. I would have winning touchdown in ten minutes, and then they scored twice on us and lost our sophomore year. And that's when Carlson got fired after that. So it was four years in a row because we we won my first two, which was the hundredth game as well, which was uh, yeah. which is pretty memorable. Um, did you, uh, did you guys then, so it would have been for your senior year. One of the things that I remember about it is the, uh, and for those people that don't know, Wabash is probably predominantly dominated by fraternity houses because there aren't enough, you know, there are enough students to have dorms and <laughs> fraternity houses. Um, but did the bell make its way around all the houses? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. That was a big deal that junior yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was, because the when I got there, we had won it, I believe it was won four years in a row, the two years before me, at, at, for certain, the year that I was a senior in high school, that they won it, because uh, that stinking bell that week would ring, I mean, you could hear all it all, all week, all night, all the time, <laughs> somebody was always ringing it, which, you know, I mean, it's it was a little hokey at the time, but, but uh you know, but it, it helped. It certainly helped uh, kind of galvanize the campus around the game. Um, Absolutely. So, so what you guys are talking about is that whoever won that game received this bell that came from a train that was on the Monon yep. uh, Trail, I guess. And so that was the trophy, and who, whoever one that got to carry this it's probably three four hundred pounds or something big huge yeah. thing right yeah and so you got to uh <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, so, I was, so that's to, go go ahead chris sorry with the, our audio is going over top of each other no the only other thing i was going to add into that to the first story is uh i actually went i was i was here in north carolina uh for the for the miracle game and uh, I actually went to a watch party and, uh, you know, I, w- I was telling the folks about Ryan because, you know, I mean, I knew Ryan, uh, you know, when he was he was, uh, you know, a junior high guy. Right? Yeah. Basketball camps. Exactly. Yeah. And he was quiet, but he was very athletic. He was there was no way I don't think you could know that he was going to be six five then. But he was, you know, he was a kind of kind of kid. I was a kid, too. But you know, you just always liked him and he was a good dude and you knew it. And, uh, his high school exploits, you know, were obviously I was known and I can remember, uh, coach Carlson, you know, asking me about Ryan when he was thinking about Wabash and, you know, obviously I had nothing to do with it, but kind of vouching for him and, and being excited for him. So we, we, you know, we sit down, uh, to watch the game and I'm telling these guys, you know, who, most of whom I've never met about him and, and a little bit about his story, and then I know him, and and then and then that happened. And I mean, that I've never been in a room like that, in that it was dead silent. Like, <laughs> acted possibly. no one could believe what actually happened. You know, <laughs> like to, to yeah. Brian, we were like, did did that bounce off his face mask? Was that <laughs> the flukiest, luckiest thing ever? And then one of the other guys was like, no, I think they did that on purpose. And uh, no, so that was uh, ironically enough one of my fondest Bell games memories was that one that I didn't have anything to do with because that was it was a really <laughs> neat experience to 
to be around other people. And, and of course, at those watch parties, it's half the paw people, half Wabash people. So I got the uh, satisfaction of watching all of them react to that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the... Ryan knows this, is that Ryan was a stealth, stealth shit talker. <laughs> he never said anything, but he would he would say it underneath breath. He would talk he would talk to other players underneath his breath, like, okay, you're not gonna stop me. <laughs> and so he wouldn't he wouldn't get anybody's face. He would say it like quietly, you know, like, okay, I, I'm gonna get this next one. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get this next one. I'm gonna catch, catch the next 13 passes and stuff like that. <laughs> so that was that was kind of unique in itself. Changing gears. Let's look at it from a parent's perspective. Mr. Cunningham, um, as a parent, you witnessed some of those bell games. And from some of the stories you told me is that it it got got real um, frisky. Yeah, the violence wasn't on the football field. It was in the (laughs) How so? One time, Sarah and I were sitting behind um, two couples, probably 35 years old. They had the long wool black top coats on, dressed like they were going to church. So you assume they had to be pretty successful individuals. And when and the, the little footnote to that is, uh, Sarah and I have a nephew, well, be Chris's cousin, who's on the police force in Crawfordsville. And a railroad track goes down the uh, south end of the uh, uh, the football field, and and there our nephew Mike stood with a German Shepherd. So he was obviously there for security. So now back to the end of the game, um, the Paul people came storm on the field. The Wabash people go storm on the field, and they literally it, it's just a major brawl. And they had all these rent of police and one was a lady. And I remember seeing this DePaul kid just, uh, I don't know what the right word is, coal cocker, just knocked her flat down. And I thought, you got to be kidding. So about that time, these two guys in front of Sarah and I, they just, like Superman, they tore their wool coats off and they you know, ran down the bleachers and they're right out in the middle of this melee. And I don't know, it's easy to exaggerate, but I would say there were 300 people fighting in the, in the football field among each other. And so, I don't know. Football players were just watching. Yeah. (laughs) So then we see our nephew, I don't know, sometime a week or two or three after. And he never moved. He just stayed on on the railroad track. And I said, why didn't you go over this? They told us they didn't want us involved. So (laughs) the police watched it as like we did. (laughs) Wow. uh, Wow. They just sort of controlled their own melee. And, you know, on that on that subject, uh, when Chris was a freshman, Joe was a freshman at Perry Meridian. And uh, Joe was on the freshman basketball team, and they had some little tournament in Terre Haute on a Saturday. And Chris was on the Wabash basketball team, and they were going to have a game against DePaul that same Saturday. So when the tournament was over with Joe, we got in the car and we ran up Highway 231 to get to Wabash to see any part of this game we might see. And we got there at halftime. And Joe and I, we'd never been there in our lives to speak of. We go run up to the 
gymnasium door, and there was another brawl taking place. People with bloody faces. It was a <laughs> halftime of the DePaul basketball game. They were fighting. So yeah, and I don't know what else. I'm sure we experienced so, stories, but it's wild. So. So what you're saying is that the Monon Bell game that's been played for over a century uh, is passionate between the colleges of DePaul and Wabash. I think you could safely say that, yes. You know, <laughs> you know, I'll interject one more story and I'll shut up for the rest of the time, but Sports Illustrated, uh, I don't know, it was probably about the 100th anniversary or did a thing about all the rivals in the country in football and Wabash and DePaul was one of them. And uh, the story they used was a uh, that DePaul had the Monon Bell. And, of course, the other thing is that they're always trying to steal it. The other team's always trying to get it somehow. And they said this Wabash kid dressed up, suit and tie, went to DePaul and said he was like an ambassador for Mexico, <laughs> had heard about this rival. <laughs> I know Chris or Ryan, yeah. I know the story, you might help me out, but I think he actually got to meet the president of DePaul. And the president says, well, would you like to see the bell? They said, oh, yeah, I'd like to see it. <laughs> so the guy, <laughs> the ambassador was a student from Wabash, and so they found out where the bell was, and they stole it that night. But some crazy story. <laughs> Uh, and then the student body great. dressed up. <laughs> what Mexicans. a hoop that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so put the laugh on them, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Only in America, right? College students yeah. figuring out something that you can do. The passions behind football, the passions behind of behind being uh, just in your teens, uh, your your tweens, and and the history of a game that's very very passionate. You you can't you can't can't get any better than that. Well, I tell you, I I tell you what, I appreciate this. I appreciate uh, being able to uh, get together and you guys. Add some some story, uh, in your your perspectives of Perry Marine and football, and as a coach, I enjoyed coaching both of you. You know, I enjoyed my uh, 30 years of coaching football and track at Perry Marine High School. And uh, thank you, Mr. Cunningham, for coming on and being a guest. And if this can do anything, just to add extra extra. Uh, um, fun to the sport of football or, or a paramaridian, then I, I'm willing to do. And that's what this is, podcast is all about, is the fact that uh, we I just want to have fun. I just want to leave a little history behind. And if someone can enjoy it, of it, that's good enough for me because all I want to do is have fun. And uh, you guys got any final thoughts or anything, Chris or Ryan or Ron? I'll say real quick that uh, I actually appreciate learning from all three of you uh, at my time at uh, Perry Marine High School. That was my only unique experience that I probably didn't have from you guys. So I appreciate it, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. no, I, the only thing yeah. I was thinking about, Coach Jay, was uh, – I don't know if you remember this or not, but in the uh, – I would say the 
maybe my freshman and sophomore year, I would come to school in the morning with dad and I don't want to be too close to him. So I would go down and sit in your room because you were the only other fool there that was as early as he was. You remember this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I would, I would, just, I would sit in your room and we would talk a little bit. You'd grade, get ready. I'd do homework or whatever. But, uh, I, it was one of those things that, um, uh, I, I would, I don't know if I would have thought about it again, if I hadn't gone through the Rolodex, you know, to kind of get myself in the, in the mindset for this. But, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the, the role that you played, uh, in my life, not only on the field, but, but off of it as well. You were, you were certainly, uh, a good person who, uh, who, who lived by an example that was a good one to follow. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's It's been a lot of fun. I'm going to continue to, I say this all the time, I'm on the school board. I'm going to continue to move forward, continue having fun. Every day is uh, a blessing uh, to all of us. So I don't, I don't take that for granted. That's for sure. And for, for all you coaching Falcon fans out there, um, I, I, I'll be adding this to, to the, uh, to the podcast uh, probably in a couple weeks or so. So look forward to it. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet. I'll edit it and all that good stuff. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this, this conversation. So with that, then I'm going to say for now, uh, that's, that's the end of this recording. And then um, uh, we can talk a little bit more after I stop the recording, if you want to. Okay. We have come together to fight for victory. Best friends with one another. Two, two, five, one well, big family. Zero. So come on, my Falcons. Let's, let's join in on the fun. One. Our team three, is finally ready strong, to fight for number one. Cover one. Our team includes one, many three, things seven, to help us win this fight. Guts one, Curve, cover pride, one. poise. Zero, to show one, us three, what is tomahawk, right. Cover three. And if we don't do what is right, one, seven, we'll find out what is wrong. Our team will never give up. Our team will never give up. Our team will never give up. We've been fighting for too long.